0: Today we're doing something a little bit different and we're going to talk about serving which sometimes can be like uh uh-oh we're going to talk about serving it's going to be a guilt trip to talk about serving and getting involved and that's that's not what it's about today we are talking about getting off the bench and as I said that um Tree line is turning a year old, which is just really hard to believe. And people ask all the time. There's a lot of people all over the place here in the Pittsburgh region, but really from all over the country that have just been really kind, really support us, you know, asking for updates when I see them. And they, you know, ask how things have been going. And I'm like, it's, you know, some, in some aspects it's like it's, it's only been a year. And in some aspects it's like it's been a year. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those things. It's just really hard to get something started new. And that's the way the tree line has been. But honestly, we're really thankful for all the people. There's a group of people we call the Dream Team. Got this lanyard, maybe seen them wearing them, but that's anyone who is on the worship team, on the setup crew, on the tech crew, hospitality, kids ministry. Um, There's so much that goes on to make this happen every single week and that's the Dream Team. And it's a group of people who really got off the bench and said, hey, God has given us this dream. He's given us this vision for what could be Um, really just being, seeing all of the people in our communities. It's like, do we have enough churches? Do we need another one? And the answer is really no, we, we don't because there's still so many people in the Pittsburgh region alone We've said this. There's over a million people who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever, and that's on top of the people who kind of like say they go to church, but that might just be Christmas or Easter. So there's a whole lot of people that don't have a church yet, and so God really gave us that vision to start a church and just really thankful for all of the people who have really got off the bench and have been coming to the game and help us make this happen every single week. And some of you experienced um, some of the joy, some of the fruit, some of the experience of having this, the kids who love being in their kids. Kids ministry. who are excited to be here, bringing their friends. Maybe you were able to connect with someone in a small group or go a little deeper. You've re- really enjoyed the worship time or maybe whatever it is. Maybe you're like, that coffee's amazing and it's free. Whatever, that all happened because some people were willing to get off the bench and serve. And we're going to celebrate that like crazy next week. You're not going to want to miss it. One-year birthday. It's going to be awesome. I'm already just so excited for it. Uh, but we're talking about getting off the bench. And I don't know if you caught it at the end of that video, which, which went over really well. Everyone's like, what, <laughs> what was that? But anyway, um, at the end of that video, there was a verse that said, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So there's one verse that is exhorting us to serve one another. And matter of fact, it's really interesting. Um, in the Bible, Jesus actually tells some people, how will people know that we are your followers? How will people know that we're your disciples? What, what, what will be the hallmark, really? What will be the sign that shows that we're following after you, Jesus? And we he, he, you know what he told them? He said, it's by the love that you have for one another that people will know that you are my followers. So not by your words, not by those things. It's just simply by the way that you love, the way that you serve one another. That's how people will know that you are truly my followers, which really kind of flies in the face culturally what we see now, especially can get a little heated on social media and a lot of people trying to, you know, say some things that aren't so friendly. You know, you, you love Jesus, dang it. You know, it's just kind of pull it back a little bit. Just love each other. That's how we're supposed to show that we are actually Christ followers. But really, this really flies in the face of our culture because our culture doesn't really say that we should serve other people. And I know this to be true because there's the story. And if you're not familiar with this story, you'll be familiar with one because there's been many like it um, since. But there was this story happened several years ago in New York City. There was a homeless man sitting out in the winter, and he had no shoes on. And perhaps you heard about this. We got a picture of it. And this police officer comes by, um, and he does something pretty incredible. He buys this man a. Pair Of boots out of his own pocket with his own money. Now the crazy thing about this is, is this went absolutely viral. It went nuts. Like it was like you couldn't like get on Facebook. It was in your feed every second. It went so crazy viral. The websites are talking about it. It's on the news cycle. It's like on the national news now, and everyone's just talking about this story. And for me, it just really caused me to say, hmm. Because you would just think that this, not to downgrade anything, the guy, that's pretty amazing. It's a nice thing to do. But for me, that just shows how much our society has done the opposite way when someone doing something meeting a basic humanitarian need becomes something that goes absolutely viral and people lose their minds over. It, I mean, people were like almost shocked. It was like America took like this collective gasp, like, <gasps> I mean, the guy didn't have shoes. And then he bought him shoes. I mean, poof, you know, our minds are blown. Like, what just happened here? And so for me, it just really caused me to take pause and be like, man, maybe take a little stock of our hearts here. Because, you know, I think if I was in that situation, how many people have I passed by and never given the time of day to? And so I think that's what really impressed people because they put themselves in that situation and been like, would I have done the same thing? Because you know what? The police officer, yeah, he took a he took an oath that he was going to serve and protect. That doesn't include paying for shoes for homeless people out of his own pocket, And I think so many times that's where our culture has gone, that it's just become about me, right? It's just about take care of myself, make sure that I'm comfortable, make sure that I'm achieving my goals, my desires, the things that I want in life, what I'm trying to achieve. And so it's easy to see someone else's need and be like, well, the dude could just get a job if he needs to go get some shoes, right? And we've thought it before, right? And so sometimes when we see those things, it just really challenges us in our culture because we're not about serving other people, And this isn't the only story. We could list story after story after story. Someone pays for someone's grocery. Someone gets someone's diaper. Someone pays some rent. And these stories, just people lose their minds. It's like someone just did something otherworldly, like they just performed this miracle. This guy walked on water. He bought him boots, right? And for me, it's just a sign of where we are as a culture, that it's all about me meeting my needs, my comfort, my desires. And it's really just become something extraordinary when people begin to meet the needs of other people. So something that I want to talk about today is that how doing this and really serving other people is something that we see all throughout the Bible. But not only that, that it really goes against culture and goes against where our society is. And this is something that's not new. And matter of fact, something that God and Jesus himself challenged us all the time to do in his word. So I want to take a look at this verse in 1 Peter 13 and 16. And it says this in verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So pause there for just a moment. So here this verse is telling us that basically before we came to the knowledge of Christ, before we started laying down and saying, you know what, God, I understand what you've done for me, that you love me, that you care for me, that you have a plan for my life, and that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sins, my mistakes, my mess up. And so now out of response, I want to lay my life down to follow after you. And so once you come to that knowledge and know who Jesus is, God's challenging us now that we must live as his obedient children and not to slip back into our old ways. you catch this to satisfy your own desires and it's not some guilt trip it just says you didn't know any better then you didn't know any better it's not like hey you better not slip back and just take care of yourself and be so It's just like you just didn't know better And so really this is a message for people who, and so when you see this and understand this, well, of course people would flip out in the world when they see someone do something nice for others. Because until you come to the knowledge of who Christ is and you understand what it means to lay your life down for him and to follow him, we don't know any better. It's just all about number one. It's all about fulfilling my needs. But now that we've come to the knowledge of who Jesus is, we're no longer satisfying our own selfish desires. And it continues in verse 15. And this is where it can get a little tough to understand. We're going to break this down. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. That's a whole lot of holies. And when you read this, you could be like, what in the world are they talking about? What does it mean to be holy? And I know for me, when I was young or even a kid, you'd just be like, you'd hear this word, you're supposed to be holy. Oh, I'm supposed to be holy like God. I must be pious and religious and very serious Because God is not about having fun. So we're supposed to be holy and just fun suckers. And we're just supposed to be terrible, miserable people because that's who God is. So I'm holy. That's literally what I thought it meant to be like a holy person. You like think holy Bible. Like what is that? And so really to understand what this is saying, you really got to understand what this word holy is trying to communicate to us. And see, this holy word, if you really get into it and break it down, it means to be set apart. Or I like to put it this way, it just simply means to be different. So here's what God is actually challenging and saying to us. But now you must live different in everything you do, just as God who chose you is different. For the scriptures say you must live different because I am different. So what does that mean? How do we break that down? That means that when we say yes to following after Jesus, when we come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is, how he loved us, gave his life for us, and we lay our life down for him, now it means that he is challenging us to live different lives, to be holy, to live different and see, this is where the rub really comes because I don't know if you've ever tried to go the opposite direction as where everyone else is going or if you've ever tried to row upstream. You ever been like on a rafting trip, right? Went like on a whitewater rafting trip, shared the story, you know, I almost died, it was amazing. You just, just try to row back up the thing. It's really, really difficult, right? Or if you've ever been like in a movie theater or a large crowd situation, sporting event, and it lets out and you're heading out and you're like, oh, I forgot something or I gotta turn around and go, have you ever tried? I mean, it almost feels impossible to go Back again, everyone's just giving you dirty looks, right? And he's like, What are you doing? Why are you going the wrong way? And how about this? I know I'm not the only one in here, so just don't pretend like you haven't done this. Who's ever driven the wrong way on a one way street before? Am I the only one? I mean, the sheer terror that hits you, right? I mean, it's just like instant. I'm an idiot, right? I mean, it just hits you like a ton of bricks, like, and you're just like, yep, I'm dumb, thank you, hanging out the window, stupid, stupid here, right? I mean, it just feels like that, and I just had that happen a couple weeks ago. Thankfully, I caught myself, I was turning on the one-way street, and I was like, oh, no, just kidding, and made like the widest U-turn in front of everyone, just like, just kidding, you know, and I go back the other way, and everyone's just looking at me, and I'm like, I knew what I was doing. It's cool. It's one way, guys. It's it's the worst, right? And so this is literally what God is asking us to do, is to live different, and when we live different, that That's what it's going to feel like to go against the culture. And in this instance, when God is saying, live holy, be different, when we're talking about serving, everyone's going to be saying, just take care of yourself. Make sure that you and your own, you're taking care of that. It's your needs, your desires, right? And when you begin to live the way that God has challenged us, you're going to begin to feel that resistance culturally because everyone's going the other direction, Matter of fact, the more we become like Jesus and the closer we begin to follow him, the more you will feel that tension and you will see it in your decisions, your choices, because they're going to start looking different than the rest of the world around you. And I've said this before, and I'll say it many more times, when we don't see that happening, if we said that we're living for Jesus and we're not really seeing our choices, our decisions, our lifestyle look different than the rest of culture and society around us, we really have to start taking stock and asking ourselves how closely we're really trying to follow after Jesus. Because when we say yes to him to go against the culture, it is not easy. And see, this is where people get mixed up. It's not some like, I'm, I'm just a self-righteous person and look at me going against culture and I'm so much better than everyone. That's not the idea at all. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. It's not like we're trying to go the wrong way. We're like, woohoo, look at me. That's not the idea at all. It's simply saying, because I love God so much, because I recognize what he has done in my life, now it is my honor to live the way that he has asked me and challenged me to live. And that's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard going up against some of the friendships, relationships, the people around us. And sometimes it just really feel that resistance and you just want to, you just want to cave. Am I the only one? It's just be easier just to go with the flow, right? I'd just rather just ride it out and be like, ah, I don't want to rock the boat here. I don't want to drive down the wrong way, one way street. Come on, God, this is uncomfortable. And so many times this is what happens when we live holy, when we live up to this challenge to live different because God is different, we begin to see that this will happen. And this absolutely happens when it comes to serving. So something that I think is really important for us to understand is that All of us who have experienced what has happened at Treeline, I touched on it for a moment, is that there have been a lot of people who have absolutely given, who serve in this thing week in and week out, but even beyond that, there are people who have given to this thing financially because this all costs a whole lot of money, like a whole lot more than I have or that I thought I would ever be able to raise in my entire life. And so there have been people from all over the country who saw what we were doing, who believed, and they got off the bench and they gave. They will never walk through these doors at Treeline. They will never participate in an service. They will never be in a small group. Their kids will never be in the kids' ministry, but because they love God so much and they believed in us and what we were doing, they were willing to give and be a part of it. And we talk about the dream team, the people who just set up and tear down every single week, so faithful to give and to serve and to be here early every week and to take care of our kids and really just have a heart and passion for what God has challenged us to do. And why do we do all that? Why do people give to something like this? Why do people step up and serve and get off the bench to be a part of something like this? And I think it really comes down to understanding that because of the love that God has for us, and when you truly experience and encounter who Christ is and how he can change your life and how he's forgiven you, and I don't know about you, but that he's full of first chances and second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, when you understand that that's the God we serve and that he loves us and it's unconditional, and his word says his mercy is new every morning. And he's not like some vicious taskmaster waiting to smack us down, but he's a loving father that wants us to run to him and come to him. When you begin to understand that, when your eyes begin to be open to that, You want to do something with it. And that doing something with it is helping others experience the same thing that we have had the chance to receive, to understand who God is, that he loves us, that he has a plan for your life, that he wants more than anything in this world to have relationship with you, that he wants you to come as you are. He's not waiting for you to get cleaned up or to be or act a certain way. He just wants you. And we are so impassioned about reaching people who are far from God in our city We are so excited about reaching students and teenagers. Matter of fact, our student ministry launches the first Wednesday of October. We're so excited about it. And that's why we do all of these things. And I I think something that really helps us understand this is is a a passage from the book of Romans. And I want to read this for you. It'll be on the screen. It's Romans 10, starting in verse 9. It says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is believing in your heart that you were made right with God, and it is openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Some good news there. Verse 11, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile, so people who were God's people and the people who were not God's people— so church people, unchurch people, they are in the same in this respect. They have come to this, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. And I love this in verse 13, "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved i mean we could just camp here and i could just go ahead and preach on this passage for the next year i mean how amazing is this it's not about what you've done it's not about your past it's not about your mistakes it's not about going to church it's not about all of these things that we think that religion and christianity are all about he simply says anybody who calls on his name will be saved that is the good news of the gospel. It's why we do what we do. It's what drives us to start a new church. We didn't need another church just to be to hang out and have small groups and just it's gonna be an awesome party. You know, that's not why we start a new church, it's because there are people who have not yet experienced this yet, who don't understand the freedom that comes from a relationship with Jesus. I saw a sign, I didn't put, I saw the sign I was driving by yesterday. You know, church signs, they put them outside and they always like, I don't know what it is. It just became like this contest to so see you could have like the cheesiest saying like on their church sign, right? And I saw this one, and it took me a second. I drove past it yesterday, and it says, duct tape is great, but three nails fixes everything. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, three nails the cross. I hope you're out there, right, Jesus? Three... Anyway, it was a church sign. It just took me. I thought it was a hardware store when I was first going past, and I was like, why would I get nails to fix things? Like I... Anyway, it's the good news of who Jesus is, but here's what really gets interesting in Romans 10 when we get to verse 14. Here's where we're going to camp today. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? See, the good news of the gospel of who Jesus is is simply that anyone who calls on his name saying, you know what, God, I don't got this. I can't be good enough. I can't fix this. This is a mess. This is painful. Just fill in the blank for whatever it is, the mess that our lives have become. When Jesus enters the scene, just simply surrendering our lives to him and saying, God, I just need you to come into my life. This, it's a mess. I just need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't overcome this. I can't deal with this pain. I can't deal with the hurt, this broken relationship, whatever it is. That when Jesus enters the equation, everything begins to change. But I love in verse 14, it reminds us how can they call on him unless someone tells them. Unless someone tells them the good news of who Jesus is, how could they possibly know and come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is? And shouldn't it just be obvious? Don't we live in a Christian nation? Well, we'll kind of. We're becoming post-Christian really, which really means that there are a lot more people and actually the generation's coming up. Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation in our country. What does that mean? They have no memory of the gospel. You can't reference simple Bible stories, things that you learned in Bible school and VBS and just basic things about who God is and creation and salvation. They don't understand any of it. They've not heard any of it. And so they were primed to be in a place that they need somebody who's going to communicate to them who Jesus is. Can you imagine never hearing that God loves you? That God has a plan for your life, that he's not angry at you, that he's not mad at you, that he's not trying to change you. He just wants to have a relationship with you, that he loves you more than anything in this world, that he sent his son to die for you, that you messed up, that you made the mistake, but you don't have to carry that weight, that shame, that regret because Jesus has forgiven it all. But that we live in a world, we live in a country now where there are people and whole generations now who have never heard that message. And so now we're stuck with this verse of how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe if they've never heard? And, and, and how can they hear unless someone tells them? Friends, this is why we started Treeline Church. It's because there needs to be somebody who's going to tell them. Have you ever thought about the people in your life who maybe invested in you in a special way or just maybe saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself or maybe just maybe just helped you out with something or helped you in a situation or like opened up an opportunity for a job that you quite weren't qualified for, just really did something to help you out or help you along in your development, whatever it was. And I have so many people in my life like that. I'm so fortunate to look back and think of the people, family, parents, aunts and uncles, people that I grew up with who believed in me, saw something in me, who, who challenged me, me, who, who loved me through some really ugly, and anyone ever been ugly before? I mean, I have been, we could fill pages, man. I mean, we, I know we've all got issues, but I've got some, like a full subscription. Like, it's a mess, and people still loved me through that. I'm not even talking about when I'm a kid. I'm talking like last week, you know what I'm saying? There have been people who have been so relentless in my life to invest into me, to invest into me, and, and just even thinking about getting to this point of starting this church. Because, you know, I, I have this picture here, and maybe this will be familiar to you if you grew up to church. But this is what church looked like when I was a kid. Wooden pews. Like, my butt's starting to hurt as soon as they put this picture up here, right? And they weren't even padded pews. Come on, somebody. Like, the pastor starts praying. it wasn't like this, you know, cute, like, couple worship songs and a 30-minute message. You know, I, it was like an hour and a half of preaching, you know what I mean? In the hymn book there, yeah, we went through like 37 of them in one time, right? And that was just Sunday morning service. That was after Sunday school and before Sunday night service and before Wednesday, you know what I'm saying? And so I grew up in a church with wooden in pews went into another church, also wood pews, couldn't even upgrade to pad, right? And just sitting in those chairs all of the time. But I began to think about the people who sat in those pews that invested into my life. I began to think about the people, not even in those pews, but eventually as we became modern, we got padded chairs. It was like this revolution, you know, changed the church in America. It was like, padded chairs? We can sit on those? I mean we won't burn in hell if we have padding? No, it's amazing. They're comfortable, right? People can fall asleep during the sermon now. I remember falling asleep with the pews and your head would conk up against the wood and made a loud noise. That's the worst thing ever. They were pretty sweet when they were polished, though, because you could slide the whole way across them. But anyway, <laughs> I began to think of all the people who sat in those pews, I begin to think of the people who sat in the chairs. I begin to think of the people who invested into my life, who really went out of their way. I think of the people who taught my Sunday school and put up with a snot-nosed little punk, Brian, and had to teach him about how God loved him and cared for him, and singing these silly songs that I can still remember to this day. I think about the people God blessed them who were camp counselors. Oh, because they're a worse job, right? Especially as PKs, pastors' kids, like little devils, right? But they loved us. They cared about us. They invested into us. They believed in us. I think about the people who who saw something in me who decided to get off the bench and get into the game and serve in such a way that I became the man of God that God called me to be, and I would never have got to the point. I mean, forget starting a church and being a pastor. Yeah, that's that's great but knowing that my family, that we're doing all that we can to raise them to know who Jesus is, to raise our girls to know that there's a God that loves them, that cares for them, has a plan for them. And that all happened because somebody was intentional to get off the bench and invest in my life. There's so many people that I'm thankful for. Matter of fact, About a month or so ago, a couple months ago, there was an older couple who I realized did this for me and really helped in the church that I was a part of as a kid and helped start it. And I just felt so overwhelmed, thankful. Just even I was sitting at the dining room table telling a friend about it and just began to weep. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Just so much gratitude for the sacrifice. Because when you're you're young, you just don't get it. But you see the blood, sweat, and tears of what they put into to invest into me. And I actually found (laughs) showed up on their front porch one day and just poured my guts out thanking them. Thank you so much for your investment. You have no idea what that has meant for me. I think about all the people that got to this point that allowed us to start Treeline. I think of all the people who sat in chairs just like this all, all over the nation, all over the country, who sat in chairs in their church but didn't just sit in the chair, but they decided to get off the bench and decided to get in the game and do something about it because recognizing that there is so many people who are far from God. There are so many people who still need to hear that God loves them, that he has a plan for them, that he cares for them. And see, this is why we started TreeLine, not, not so we could fill a bunch of chairs up, not so we could put butts in seats. That's not the goal. That's not what we're trying to do. Obviously, yes, we want to fill seats because every seat represents somebody who needs to hear about the good news of who Jesus is, but that's not where it ends. So your desire is not just to fill seats up, but our desire is to fill seats and then to encourage people, coach them, come alongside of them, encourage them, let them know God has a plan for you. He has a purpose, just like the verse that we started with, God has given you gifts So what keeps us from going there? What stops us from going there? I think there are a few things that really keep us from getting out of the bench, getting off the seat, and really serving. And the first one is we think that we just don't have anything to offer. I've been here so many times. I don't even feel qualified to be up here and do what I'm doing. We don't feel like we had, I don't have anything to offer if they really knew what's going on in my life. I mean, I don't know how I could tell anyone out about Jesus or lead anyone else because I've got my own questions. All the things I'm doubting, with things I'm wrestling with, I just don't know. They need someone else who's got it a little bit together, a little further down the road. We don't feel that we have anything to offer, but it's not the truth. God has given every single one of us gifts and abilities Matter of fact, every one of us, we're good at something. And like, for me, math is not like, you know, no, no. Me and math, we don't do well together. Like, I was the kid and student that had to work like two or three times harder than everyone to like, you know, get the C in math. And some of you are like good in math, you're like numbers, you just look at it and you're like, what's the problem? Do 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 do. And you're like computing in your mind, you don't need a calculator. It, it just, you know, if that's you, get out. You know, I'm just kidding. But I know that was not me. That's because God has wired us has shaped us and gifted us all different ways, and the same thing is true. True in our abilities and how we can serve. There's some things that you do that you're just good at and you don't even think about it. Why? Because you're good at it. It's not hard for you, you're just good at it. And beyond our natural abilities, God's given each of us spiritual gifts on top of that, every single one of us. And when we discover those and find out what those things are, God can use us to serve others. So don't believe the lie that you don't have what it takes. You don't have any. I can't be in front of people. I can't lead and worship. I can't. Oh, Gary, he's so amazing. I wish I could sing like that. It's not about that. God has given us all gifts and abilities, all different kinds. Many times we think that we can't because we don't have the time. And if I can be honest with you, you're never going to have the time. Serving is just like anything in life. You will only have time for the things that you make time for. We will only have time for the things that we make priority and we make margin. Man, I get this more than ever. Being married, having kids, 100 school activities, everything else that goes on that pulls you every different direction. The Steelers constantly breaking your heart after you're like, come on, I had to put up with the Pirates all season. God, can you just have some mercy on this city? Well, he did. Antonio Brown doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. There's a God. Anyway, we'll just move on from that. <laughs> we never have time until we make it a priority till we decide that we're going to get up out of the seat, that we're going to get off the bench and recognize that there is somebody who invested in our life. Somebody who decided to get off of the bench. Maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a parent, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, a friend, a small group leader, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, whoever it was. Somebody decided to get off the bench and invest into our lives. And here's the thing that I kind of want to land on today. The band's going to come up as we wrap up. Is this this thought we will never know the impact of our service on this side of eternity. We will never know the impact of our service on this side of eternity. I remember when I was a kid, um, my dad used to sing songs at church all the time. he was he was a, a singer on top of a pastor, you know he was like rocking out American Idol. Um, and he would sing these songs all the time and, and different songs. And there was this one song that he would sing and it was, the title was called Thank You. And, and the whole premise of the song, and the song has actually just wrecked me all week long, um, by the way. I just couldn't get away from it. And the whole idea of the song is that he's singing about, a he goes to heaven and there's this friend with him and all these people come up to him and say, hey, you know that small thing you did? Remember that one time that missionary came and you gave some money and you didn't ever think, thought anything of it? Well, that's why I'm here in heaven today. Remember when you led my Sunday school and you would pray every week that's when I accepted Christ and so what it began for me is to understand is that we will never truly understand the impact the things that we do that seems like well that doesn't really make that big of a deal I mean I can't preach or lead worship or do all the you know glamorous things because it's so glamorous let me tell you so it's why I'm in it it's why I'm in this game glamour come on the fame (laughs) see we'll never know the impact of our service on this side of eternity and see, friends, if you're willing to get up out of the seat, if you're willing to get off the bench, if you're willing to get in the game, if you're willing to invest into someone else, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant it will be, you will never truly understand on this side of eternity. You will never understand how God could take something that seems, well, that's not a big deal. Is setting up chairs a big deal? Is putting out coffee? For people? Is it helping a kid and, and, and singing a song with them, a silly song, or telling them that God loves them? leading a small group and telling people that God loves them, inviting someone to come to church, praying for someone does it? doesn't it really make that much of a difference. It's a, I truly believe that we will never understand the impact that it makes on this side of eternity. Friends, God has called every single one of us to get off the bench and get in the game. Every single one of us. Over and over and over again, Jesus himself challenges us that this is what it's about. See, I've heard it said this way before. Maybe you've heard it said that Jesus ran to the cross so now that we can run to the lost. This is our mission. This is what we do. This is what we're about. This is the hill we're going to live and die on as a church. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, I just want to pause and just give you thanks. And even in this moment, I just want to challenge you right now to maybe, <laughs> as I listed some of the people in my life, and I didn't use any names because there's just way too many, but maybe as your heads are bowed today, think about that somebody or somebody's in your life who had made that investment to you. Maybe that person that led you to Christ, maybe that person that led your small group that time you had that breakthrough, or or the person who who loved you through a difficult season, who persistently showed you the love of Christ when you absolutely didn't deserve it. And just thank God for that person. And maybe even this week, take a moment to reach out to them and thank them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the people that, who have invested into our lives. God, we thank you for the people who are willing to get off the bench and to get into the game. God, we thank you that being a Christ follower is not a spectator sport. And God, church is simply not about having our needs met. Yes, God, we come to worship you and to be challenged and hear a good message, God, and to, to learn your word, God, and get involved in small groups and our kids be served and to, to be taught about who you are, God. That's all a part of it, God. But at the end of the day, Lord, God, while we may start out on the bench, it is not your desire for us to stay there. God, I pray that you would help each of us to have our eyes open to the unique ways that we can begin to serve, the ways that we can give back. And God, even beyond what we're doing here at Treeline, because God, at the end of the day, we're trying to build your kingdom. We're not trying to build a church. We want to build your kingdom. God, and the vision goes so much beyond this gathering, God but in missions and community needs, Father, and those around us who are broken, God. God, maybe we've been reminded today that there are those who need to hear the good news of who you are. God, that there are marriages that are on the rocks that need restoration, but they're waiting to hear that there's a God who can intervene, who can save that marriage. There are families that are broken, that are hurting who are waiting to hear that there is good news that God could come in and he could totally change that family tree. God, those are who are hurting, who've been abused, who've been neglected, who've been outcast, who are just waiting to hear the good news that there's a God who loves them, and who accepts them and wants nothing more to have relationship with them. God, let us be reminded that there's an entire generation who's growing up right now before our eyes who doesn't know who you are. God, let our hearts break for them God, let us never stop pursuing, getting out of that bench, saying it might not be comfortable, it may go against the flow, it might cost me something. But God, at the end of the day, when we stand before you and we see the impact that it will make in the lives of many, God, it will all be worth it. We thank you, Jesus. Today, when your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never said yes to him before, you hear me talking about this today, how Jesus can enter your life, how he can heal lives, heal broken hearts, heal marriages, families, those who are far from him. If that's you today, we want to give you the chance to say yes to relationship with him. It's not about getting everything together. It's not about everything adding up. It's not about looking a certain way or going to church enough times or reading your Bible enough or having enough scripture memorized or saying the right prayers or jumping through the right hoops. It's just understanding that God loves you and wants more than anything to have a relationship with you and saying, I can't do this on my own. God, I need you to come into my life. If you're here today and you want to do that, we want to give you the opportunity to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you say, at one point, I said that prayer, I was living for Christ, but things just began to happen, and whatever the reason is. Maybe life just got busy, maybe just got into a different season, maybe it didn't mean to drift away from Him, or maybe something happened, maybe you had a hurt. Maybe someone else got hurt or wounded, and you couldn't reconcile how a good God could allow something so, so hurtful to happen. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is God has never stopped loving you and never stopped pursuing you. So if that's you today in either one of those situations, you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time or you want to recommit your life to him, just going to give you the opportunity to slip your hand up while no one's looking around, and we're going to pray out loud together. Awesome. Anyone else? Awesome. We're going to pray together out loud. Repeat after me so no one has to pray alone. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe in you. you come into my heart, make me new, fill me with your spirit, help me to follow you all of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer for those who made a decision today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.